You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,291, and this is our 1,604th interview that we've done on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. We've been on the air since March of 2009, and we're the longest-running business podcast here in Orange County, California. Inspired by the immense needs felt by families in the pandemic, the 1K Project came together to connect families in crisis with direct support of $1,000 each month for three months from a sponsor family. Within a few tweets, a team of entrepreneurial tech and design talent came together to start the 1K Project, using personal networks to directly match a family impacted by the pandemic with a family committed to giving them $1,000 a month for three months. I've invited Minda Bruce on the show to talk a little bit about her organization. And so, Minda, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on the show and and give some visibility to your project. So why don't we start, because our audience are business owners and uh, business executives, entrepreneurs from across North America, as well as kind of around the world now since we've been on for so long. But maybe you could... Tell our audience a bit about you and then kind of how you came and become involved with the 1K Project. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm here in Seattle, Washington, and um, I have been an entrepreneur, I think, my whole life. Um, As a kid, I imagined and conjured up an import-export business and typed business letters. I did high school junior achievement, and um, as soon as I was a few years into my early work career, I was doing startups, and I spent... Uh, the good part of 20 years across a number of different startups as either a, you know, a a founding team member, a co-founder, something like that. And I I started advising companies a few years ago, and now I've taken a step toward uh, the investing world. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, I came to the project because it's sort of one of these, like, good things that happens on Twitter, which is that there's a a fellow tech entrepreneur investor in uh, New York that I followed on Twitter. And when he posted something about uh, wanting to explore the idea of direct giving to families in need. I responded to it because my business partner and I had also been talking to another friend of ours here in Seattle about doing something similar because we really felt like we wanted to mobilize in some meaningful way and we were just really trying to figure out how. Um, And so uh, it just sort of sparked co-founding between me and Alex, it's called, in New York, to, uh, with some other volunteers, get the 1K project off the ground. So you started this with another friend of yours. Where did you, what did you expect when you and Alex co-founded the 1K project? You know, it's really interesting. And I think because we both come from the tech and entrepreneurial background, we see this sort of irrationality in starting something uh, from zero with having, you know, no sponsors in mind, no families in hand, uh, and thinking that we could start something that might serve a million people someday. Um, and so it's with that perspective that I think we kicked off 
uh, something really ambitious and uh, but set about in a really a right away sort of um, path in our very first few days and week um, we really tried to identify a family identify sponsors and make some matches and then try and architect some systems around that that would allow us allow us to sort of crawl and walk then run to really move through uh, helping as many people as we could while we built the systems that supported it. And so I think our entrepreneurial backgrounds really came uh, in handy there, both the sort of idea of the irrational act of starting something like this, as well as the knowledge of how to get something started really quickly. Well, you two are both to be commended for seeing an opportunity and to help people and taking action and then rallying a community around you. So let's talk a little bit more about the mission of the organization. I think I heard you say a million people. Is that what you said? The goal? To well, impact? I think so- that that, it, that was sort of this irrational initial sort of big idea. And uh, I think that also we were open to exploring what we were learning, you know, 10 families at a time. So uh, I think that um, I hope there aren't a million families that end up needing us. I hope other support networks and systems step in to help do that. But I guess my point in saying sort of that we have this, you know, million family goal is is not that we would achieve it, but that, that we were architecting ideas and systems that would help us really have a, an outsized impact um, from a very short period of time. And how have you built momentum into the organization? Tell us about how you went from where you were when you and Alex conceived the idea and took the first step to where you are today here in the beginning of June 2020? Well, I think we're really fortunate that Alex and I both have, um, you know, by virtue of having been in the tech ecosystem, um, been able to know a lot of really talented people, and especially Alex having been involved at Techstars in New York City, which is a, a, an accelerator, he really had a, a strong network to tap that immediately wanted to step in and, um, and work on this project, and that included designers and engineers and operations folks, and just as, and they kept bringing their friends in, and I think that from the get-go, we sort of had two ways that we were really focused on operating the project. And one is that we operate in this, I call it sort of a creative chaos. We, we don't over-organize ourselves because we know that we need to constantly be learning and moving and adapting as we learn new processes that work and this worked and that didn't. So we remain really flexible and we try to really enable each contributor to use their superpowers to contribute to the project. So if they think something needs to be done, we ask them to think about what they could be doing to get it done. So we really want to empower the volunteer group. And we also have um, all hands meetings once a week. We really emphasize that the urgency and the momentum of the project is driven by the needs of the families um, that you know, every week that we would delay getting something done because we were uh, thinking about it instead of doing it would mean another week that a family wouldn't be getting the support that they need. So we really feel the immediacy of the families and use that as our driving force. And I think the energy of enabling contributors to use their superpowers plus the, you know, uh, operating with a sense of urgency based on the mission has been part of what makes us really successful as a group. So so let me understand the organization. I've heard you use some names and words, and I just want to be clear. There are clearly families who are in need, 
And then there are families who are able to make the commitment to make the $1,000 a month contribution. And then you have a network of volunteers that are helping you to build the platform, expand the message, and kind of grow the mission. Is did I did I understand that correctly? And if yeah, not, can you I, put I a finer point on a, it? Yeah, it's a, it, overall we're a volunteer collective, and so that means that we're not a nonprofit. We do have a fiscal sponsor, so we can address some of the some of the nece- necessary organizational functions that where we need a nonprofit status and an organization behind us. So we do have that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the people organization, we're a collective. And so there are a a number of different roles. We have um, our contributors who are actively taking on roles where they are helping perform a specific function on a, you know, signing up for a shift to do something or creating, you know, Instagram content or doing something like that. But then we have an ever-expanding group of just community members that are connected with us who maybe they've given just $100. Maybe they're just referring people to us. But we keep them activated as part of our community to help spread the word about what we're doing because ours is a trusted network-based approach for finding families. And so for each person that is participating, and we're up to about 1,100, maybe 1,500 contacts that we've trusted and verified to participate by referring families to us, by extending that network, we extend our reach to more families in more places. And um, in doing so, that tends to also help sponsors find us, and they sort of self-select into the network in that same way. But we are fundamentally sort of always looking to expand the community of people that are involved in uh, either sponsoring or nominating families in need. And and that's why I wanted to have you on the show as one of the co-founders of the project to share the, the vision of what you're doing in hopes that someone who's listening either live today or in the future on a podcast would become energized to want to kind of get involved. And what has surprised you, Minda? If I could ask you about the mm-hmm. progress that you've made, the impact that you're having is, you know, if, as you look at something that you and Alex hadn't thought about, is, is there something that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, I think that the um, the thing that I've really taken away from the interactions, watching us um, have a family where we receive an application and understand their need, present them to a sponsor, and then the sponsor donates and commits, you know, $1,000 for that first month. And then we get a note back from the family. What we notice is that the connection is more than just a financial uh, relief of Uh, you know, of the hardship that they're currently feeling. It's the human connection that someone who doesn't know them except through this network recognizes their need and wants to help bridge them to the future employment or a better situation or something like that. But that meaningful amount from a specific individual um, has a human connection at a point where all of us are isolated and lacking that connection. I think that what I've realized is that the connections that we're making are financial in nature in terms of the sponsorship, but there is a human connection that is felt both on the sponsor side and on the family side that's incredibly motivating and meaningful to the nominators, the business owners who nominate their former employees, and to the sponsors who sponsor and the families who get sponsored. So I feel like we're lighting a lot of people up in a very human way by doing what we're doing. Do you think there is um, the potential that the 1K project has a residual impact on the community of people that are in, involved in it today? I mean, do you, do you, how do you see this evolving over time? 
Well, to me, it's proving to me, and I, I think a lot of us on the project, I know Alex feels this way too, we talk about it, is that we really believe in the power of being able as an individual to organize and to help, um, regardless of, you know, thinking that some other, you know, government or nonprofit should be doing this, should be stepping in. We re- we're really um, feeling the power of being able to self-organize and be able to um help so directly the people that we know are in need. So I, I think there's a sense of empowerment that comes with that, of being able to really do something. And I, and I hope that even if they're not giving through the 1K project, if someone hears about it and just is giving to someone who's maybe in the extended their extended family or someone who took care of their children or, you know, some other person in their community that they're helping directly because they thought, I can do this. I know someone who needs it. Um, that's a huge impact as well. So I just think that, um, you know, by demonstrating the power of what we can do as individuals, uh, I, I hope that that's a lasting benefit. It, it certainly is something that I think will always stick with me, that um, there is a place for individuals to act uh, in a time like this. And uh, I'm just really excited to be able to make it possible for a lot of people to do it. But I think it's certainly always been happening on a community and and small basis, you know, that one-to-one thing. So I I love to have um, nonprofits, organizations like yours that are doing good in the community or in the country because it it shows me that uh, many times the people who are putting the work into these organizations, while they're donating a lot of their time and talent, most feel like they're getting more back than they're giving. And I guess through your volunteer network. Is there a sense of that within your community that uh, in addition to the work that they're doing, the, the, the people involved are getting something beyond just the feeling of doing something that is the right thing to do at the time for their fellow man, person? Yeah, I, I think that um, as we have volunteers who are attracted into the project or into the community where they're spreading the word, I think that, um, you know, it's really challenging to sit in your home and feel like you're helping make an impact and this is one of those ways that you can activate your network to help other people. And so I think that sense of um, helplessness was really setting in for a lot of people. And stepping into this project has allowed a lot of people to feel like they were um, doing something meaningful to uh, help other people. And it just wasn't clear in this particular kind of crisis what to do because you couldn't go down and um, stock shelves somewhere or fill sandbags or repair a fence. Uh, it wasn't that kind of uh, crisis. And so I think as we're all looking to adapt to what kind of crisis this is, it's, it's very much an economic one in, in many ways, as much as it is sort of a you know public health crisis. But um, we really saw the economic side of this and um, I think felt empowered to step in. And I think that that has been a really rewarding aspect for a lot of our volunteers. So so let's talk to our audience specifically, if we could, Minda, about how they could support and get involved with the 1K Project. What are the various ways that someone who's listening to the show, who's in, uh, inspired by what you're saying and feels like they'd like to take action, what do we want them to do to help you and help the organization? Absolutely. I think there are really three ways that just about, you know, to, to consider getting involved. And one, the first one anyone can do, which is think about a family in need that you would want to nominate. And go, go to our 1K Project website and look at the process for how to nominate a family. Especially if you are a business owner, you're really able very easily to nominate employees 
that you have had to let go. We're able to verify you into our network by virtue of you being a business owner. Um, so that's a really powerful way that you can begin to light up your network is that as soon as you become a nominator, you can really start to help a lot of people. Another thing that uh, a lot of people have been taking advantage of is our texting program where you can text 815-552-8075 with a number like $100 or more, and we text you back a link to a family that you can help sponsor. So we have some families that we're helping sponsor in sort of a crowdfunding way. Um, so that's something that a lot of people are excited to do, and then they're able to join our community and all of that. Um, and then other folks stepped up to sponsor one or more families at that you know $3,000 level, where it's $1,000 a month over three months. So you know anyone I would hope you would think about nominating a family. If it's not into our program, it's, it's maybe doing something yourself. But I always feel like that's a really powerful um, act that you can uh, do to help connect someone with help. And um, so that's something, especially if you have a lot of business owners in your audience, that they can really uh, take upon themselves is, is identifying the people that they've had to furlough or lay off because of this crisis that they know are now in uh, a financial crisis. And a lot of times small business owners are just trying to keep their own lights on and their own families going, and they can't help those you know, employees directly. So they're delighted to find our project and have a place to be able to nominate those families. Absolutely. And I wonder if you could give us the number for the to text again. Yes. Yeah, the number to text us is 815 815- Five five two, eight zero seven five, and just put your dollar amount in there, and we text you back a link, and you click on it, and if you decide to donate, there's a donate button there, and you donate that amount or more, and uh, get the you know family story and the experience of actually helping someone directly. And, and that's a powerful part of of what you're doing, right? Of the families and the stories of the impact of the of the help that they're getting. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, that... yeah, absolutely. Because when someone signs up to sponsor, let's say for the $1,000 a month for three months, what we do is we send them a link for a family that we propose that they sponsor and they read the family story. Now it's been anonymized, so it doesn't provide children's names or any other sort of easily identifiable information. And um, we try to really respect the family's privacy. Um, by giving them that story and that information, when they click donate and donate that money, the beneficiary of that campaign is that family. They know the money is going directly to them. So it's not going through a nonprofit. It's going really from that sponsor to that family. Um, and I, I think that there's a real excitement about being able to do that kind of giving. And so I think our sponsors, have re it's really resonated with them. Have you uncovered something that, uh, unfortunately, there will be other challenges in the future that, Minda, you could bring this community along to to solve other solutions? Or uh, is this a transferable and an ongoing type of solution to problems that you that you and Alex have put together with your team of volunteers and contributors? Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting question um, because I think that part of our success has been in being short-sighted. <laughs> you know, we started this to meet a very immediate need and to right. not make some long-term plans. We would actually love to be made, you know, totally irrelevant by other support structures that are more permanent and large in nature stepping in and doing that. But what we've come to also understand is this crisis isn't going away. And so we are starting to think about our organizations we can partner with and ways that we can 
uh, help what we've started really unfold into something um, and evolve. Because um, we do see that um, we have really generated a lot of energy and excitement around the idea of direct giving and around finding families that can be uh, presented to someone who has been verified through our process. And people really appreciate the trusted network approach versus just taking someone um, who just applied because they heard about us and then asking them for, for a bunch of pay stub information and trying to do all kinds of that. They love the trusted network approach as sort of a human blockchain in a way of um, knowing where someone came to through the network and being able to help them. I think there's something incredibly, um, uh, there's a big shift happening in philanthropy where people do want this direct connection. And so I think it's also something that I, I think a lot of nonprofits are trying to aim toward uh, is a more direct impact between the donor and the recipient. And I think we're really tapping into that energy for sure. So how it evolves, I'm still very open to how it evolves, but I care immensely about taking this energy and what we have been doing and making sure that it continues to serve a purpose as long as it's needed. So let's do a, a couple things. I want to make sure people know how to take action during this interview and after when it's immediately over. So let's start with what is the website we would like them to go to to learn more about the 1K Project? Absolutely. It's 1kproject.org, so the number one, the letter K, project.org. And that has all kinds of information there about how to uh, connect in with our network, about how to refer families, about how to uh, sponsor, all kinds of FAQs, things like that that are on there. And uh, we're on social media. We do a lot on Twitter, since that's sort of our origin story, is a very Twitter-based connection. We have at 1kproject.org, and so you'll find TweetStorm updates about the project, and you'll find um, lots of communication about different articles that are being written. I'm sure we'll be talking about this podcast, and uh, just all kinds of different stories about our, our families. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You'll find us on LinkedIn. We're all over social media, but I think uh, I really feel like uh, the center of our communications efforts are really on Twitter, and so even... Um, that has become a really uh, a great place for us to connect with a lot of different people. And if they want to do something as simply texting you with an amount that they're willing to sponsor and join others to fund the family, what is the phone number that they would text to? Yes, it is 815-552-8075. And that's also the number that they can text if they just want to join our community. So if you just want to be able to help spread the word to other people and connect in more with us. What we do is we can text you recommendations of things to do, like think of your uh, local businesses that might be able to refer families in, or here's a message that you might retweet about uh, sponsoring. So here's how to communicate out to your friends. So lots of things you can do as a community member too, but that, te that number by texting us is a great way to get connected in with us. Um, but obviously visiting the website gives you a lot more context for what we do and gives a lot of information. We try and really keep that up to date in terms of what it is. And then you can also see the, there's a whole page of all the contributors that are involved. Um, we have people um, that are all around the country and from lots of different angles of, um, you know, different professional lives. 
and uh, and what what they're doing to bring their superpowers in is, is another really mm. um, rewarding part of the project. I think what you're doing with Alex and, and others is um, really fantastic and needed and uh, very exciting. And I, and I do see that this Minda has impact beyond the 1K project that you're currently involved in. Uh, I'm so thankful that Ryan was able to connect us and and yes. you were able to come on our show so quickly and to talk about what you're doing. I want to say on behalf of the critical mass community, I hope our listening audience will get engaged and help as well and participate. And I'm excited to see what you might turn your talents to next, Binda, after, after you get this kind of all taken care of. But thank you this is, for being. This has been great. Uh, I love getting to talk about it. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being a friend of the program and continued success. And uh, keep our show in mind and give us an update periodically. And maybe on your next venture, let us know what you're working on. And we'll be happy to have you back on the program. Thanks so much. I'd like to thank our engineer, for Paul, Paul Roberts, for the support that he gave us today on the show. I'd also like to thank my three producers, without whom could not do this show, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and our newest producer, Vanessa Holland. If you'd like to connect with me, I'd say let's do that on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions moves your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 